1: Putting the spotlight on Chicagoland's growing black businesses, iHeartMedia Chicago presents the Brilliantly Black Podcast. Here's our host, Jasmine Bennett.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I have Chicago's home of chicken and waffles in the house, along with artist Nia Kay. How are you guys doing today? Hi. You're doing great. Hey,
1: you're doing real good, huh? Yes, I'm doing great. great.
0: How are you? I'm doing good. It's a little hot in the studio, but (laughs) apparently I was the only one that was hot. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Let's start with Darnell Johnson. Please tell me a little bit more about Chicago's Home and Chicken and Waffles and the start. Like, go back to the very beginning, if
2: you can, for me. The very beginning is very interesting. Mm -hmm. We started about 14 years ago. 2008, we opened March 15th. Uh, the original name was Chicago's Roscoe's, but due to illegal legalities with um, Herb Putzen from Roscoe's in California, we had to change it to Chicago's Home of Chicken and Waffles. Mm-hmm. Everybody accepted. They loved it. The lawsuit actually triggered lines around the corner. So it was a great lawsuit as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> hey, they um, say any press is right. good press. Right. All press. That's All a press. prime
1: example. All exactly. press is great
2: press. So um, we got off to a great start. Chicago has really accepted us with open arms, and it's done nothing but grow for us. Uh, We're getting ready to open up in Nashville now. Oh, wow. In Cleveland, and um, it's doing great.
1: Amazing to hear. Nia Kay, how do you fit into all of this? Well, uh, of course, I'm signed to Smash Town now, so I have my own item on the menu. I have the buffalo catfish strip, so I'm super Mm. geeked. Well, I've been geeked about that since I've seen it actually in front of my eyes because, like, who has their name on the menu named after them? Like, that's that's so so cool. cool. And they're so good. Like, I'm a pescatarian, so I only eat seafood. Mm. So to have something like a buffalo chicken wing, but to have it as a catfish strip, I'm like, yeah, I'm in (laughs)
0: heaven that sounds so good too
1: yes you have to try it oh I want to
0: definitely where did you like how did that come about you were like since I'm a pescatarian I know I wanted fish but where did the buffalo part come into play
1: the buffalo part just came into place because I love spicy stuff. Like, that's my mm. number one thing. So, when Darnell is like, You want to do buffalo catfish strips? I'm like, Yeah, because yeah. everything I make at home is literally spicy. Like, mm. everything. So, <laughs> I knew that that's what I wanted. <laughs> okay.
0: A girl that knows what she wants. Yes. Like
1: that. Okay. So, Darnell, back to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What were some of the. Other than the lawsuit, of course. I know there had to have been some other challenges that you faced when you first, first started. How did you overcome that?
2: Well, can I say one thing first? Of course. Um, Nia and I, we're a joint venture. So she has her own label, The Branch. Mm -hmm. And we came together that way. We just felt the uh, youth with the, what do they call it, the? mature and sexy (laughs) (laughs) if we came together it would really be something strong and it's it's just an honor having the privilege to work with Nia because at such a young age she's very mature in this, because she's been in it 10 years so she understands a lot about the business I just wanted to say that now going back to some of the beginning phases uh, at the beginning I think the biggest concern I saw was most people are used to Belgian waffles, so now I'm coming in with this old-fashioned Wells Grandma in the kitchen waffle. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wasn't ready to accept it, but once they tasted it, it's it, it self-explanatory. From there, people went crazy. So mm-hmm. getting everybody to, to adjust, and then we do portion control. Now, restaurateurs they understand it, but when you're doing portion control, you're trying to keep control over your over your um, product. So a lot of people, it's not enough food. It's not enough food. So I would always bet a person if you're not full i give you your next two meals on me. And mostly everybody was honest. They would say, I'm more than full. Right. So um, those are the two biggest challenges, getting them to adjust to the waffle and the way I, I plated my food.
0: And how do you plate?
2: I'm doing three sides in a, you know, in a small monkey dish. Then I'm putting whatever's with it. That way I'm controlling it. So three sides of control, mm-hmm. your fish, your chicken, your grilled salmon or whatever you have, that'll be separate. So it's coming out with three monkey dishes on in the, in the actual main meat on the same plate.
1: You know what that is? It's people's eyes being bigger, th- bigger than they stomach because oh, yeah. that food fill you up so much every <laughs> time. All my friends before, all my family. So I'm like, it got to be that because mm-hmm. I know how that is myself. I'd be like, I think I need some more. But then if you eat it, it's like, you don't need no more. Right,
0: <laughs> exactly. But you know people are not only greedy greedy but you, you know. get three sides.
1: that's the thing <laughs> that's a lot. like you usually get two mm-hmm. like let's be for real so you get three like you can't complain cuz you get to try everything <laughs> exactly
2: and it, and it keeps control over your, your inventory and your food your product you're trying to keep more going to the customer than going into the garbage and into somebody's right you know that's very true or
0: would you say that that would that would be a piece of advice that you would give to restaurateurs like on the rise like what advice would you give to them as far as like portion control and starting out having a good team behind you things like that
2: i think the first thing you have to understand in whatever you do especially restaurant you have to be a visionary and when you a visionary you can actually imagine what you're going to do so once you take it from that stuff and make it into a reality staffing is probably one of the key things now in this climate it's kind of hard to staff the way we would like to but the more you can get the right type of people to fit your business, the greater your chance of success. Right. So staffing is number one. Then once you're staffed and you open, it's a cash cow business. So you have to figure out ways, devices to watch your money. Mm-hmm. Key thing is, is, is having a um, system in your home where you can watch everything from your mm-hmm. home and monitor Second thing is always have a manager, an assistant manager, then someone else, which nobody really knows, that's watching everything for you. That's a big key. You got to have that one silent person that's watching everything going on. As they should. Yeah. When you
0: have a place like that, that's so successful, you need somebody to be able to just watch everything, especially, you know, if you're not able to be there Mm -hmm. yourself. Because you don't want anything going awry, you know? No, no. Exactly. I want to ask you, Darnell, and then Nia as well, what is your personal why? Like, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to leave behind?
2: God has blessed me. And I think at this point in my life, the youth is our future. And I want to do as much giving back to the youth to see them have what they need to help bring life in their their life and and their children to a level which we can really, really, really be successful and um, blessed.
0: That's a beautiful thing, is mm-hmm. yes. the children are our future, yes. right, now. Yes, <laughs> yes. So what would you say your personal why is?
1: Um, Why I do music.
0: Yes, and um, uh, why you decided to partner with Darnell.
1: Um, why I do music is pretty much, I've, I always say the same story. I felt like I was pretty much born into it because mm-hmm. at a young age, I, my mom and dad, they let me do everything from dance to cheer to violin, saxophone modeling, wow. commercials. I did literally everything you could think of and with me doing music, I stuck to violin first. So that was the first sign that like nobody really noticed back then, but that was the first thing I stuck with throughout all the things and dance. Oh, wow. Then I went from dance and violin and I was singing and at the age of what like five or six my mama she let me hear my audio of me singing because i was in choir and stuff too Mm -hmm. i did everything literally so when she let me hear the video i'm like mom this is terrible i'm like i cannot (laughs) sing and i was so frustrated and hurt because i really thought i could blow so i said i'm not doing this no more i'm about to rap Mm -hmm. and then i started writing actual raps at six and i still have the book and i used to write love songs which crazy and my mom used to always say how do you know what you're talking about because i used to just watch <laughs> my mom and daddy so i would just be piecing it together mm-hmm. and as i got older and older i just started to just find a, a love for rap more and more and more mm-hmm. and i got into it and then ever since like i blew up off of it of course i'm like you know it's no turning back right. and then i was blessed enough, of course to meet darnell who is the owner of smash town so when we got together i go out vibe so it's like yes the energy and the plan and how everything was set up i felt like it was secure he believed in me his wife believed in me so i'm like you know this is a team that i want to be with and he wanted to be with me just as bad and i i love people who not who don't just want to be behind me to make profit off of me but want right. to be behind me to actually see me blow up like he's willing exactly. to do whatever to get me to that level so yeah um,
0: I love that so much. That's a beautiful thing. Yes. And it's hard to find yes. nowadays. It's like yes. some people, you think you can work with them, but then they always end up showing you their true colors some, yes. somewhere down the road. I've
1: been through so much with management and mm-hmm. teams like the worst. So I know I've, I've, everyone that I've had has been bad. So wow. <laughs> to finally be in a good situation where you don't get people wanting to run off on of money and mm-hmm. who have their own, it's very more pleasant. Yeah, (laughs) I know
0: I know this, but let me ask you what do you think is the importance of having a good team behind you?
1: Um, I think it's super important. It's the main key. Like, if you don't have a team, you're nothing because nobody can do it by themselves. Like, it's so mm-hmm. many different. I know with rap, it's so many different lanes that have to be filled. And I'm sure that's what everything, hair, running a business, running anything. Like, you need a team. You need support. You need that backup to yeah. put stuff in order. So it's like, what, seven different people on my team, like, I have a big team and I feel like to be successful all around, you need a team or somebody just in your ear to tell you because you don't know everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You have to be teachable. Yeah.
0: All for the sure. time. Darnell, can you tell me a little bit more about the foundation you were talking about?
2: It's J D R F. Nia just became the ambassador for JDRF. Nice. That's juvenile diabetes research association. Foundation, I'm sorry. And we were in Florida for the Art Diesel. At the end of last year, and she did a show. Well, the president of JDRF was there. Oh wow! He got with me and said, "You know, I love her." And it was a very nice club, but the room that she performed in—it was a more of an intimate setting. And Nia, it was probably over hundred people in this smaller part. It was a big club in this smaller area, and she just overwhelmed everybody. She just took control of everything, and he loved it. There you and go. then he found out her young age, and he knew it. I think he heard that she had type one diabetes. That's why he wanted to be and We didn't know that he was going to be there. He said, look, we need her. And now he has her. He put everything together with his team. It took a little while with pandemic and everything. It took us a little while to get to where we wanted to. But we're there now. And she's getting ready to do big things with them. She's headed to the Essence Festival in oh, New yeah. Orleans with them. And yeah. uh, she's, I think, going to be a part of Ice Cube's basketball tournament. Oh, yeah. They're working on that now. Yeah. And it's just a lot of big the things. The shy is
1: coming out um June right. 25th mm-hmm. or June 26th on actual um, cable. But on the app, I think it's coming out June
2: 24th,
1: actually. Are you on there? Yeah. <gasps> yes. Oh, snap. So the new yeah. season, I'll be on there.
2: Congrats. Yeah, thank she's, you. She's doing her own rap song also.
0: Well, excuse me. I am <laughs> in the presence
1: of celebrities.
0: Okay, guys. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what do you love the most about music?
1: Um, The thing I love the most about music is, I guess, the way it... What's the right word? I'm trying to say, like, the way it saves us, like, how it it's like a cure without being a cure you know what i'm saying like it it literally touches everyone that's the word how it touches everybody Mm -hmm. because music it it saves so many people it get people through so many hard times like it's so beautiful so those are the things that i love about it like i feel like it's, it's definitely therapeutic
0: absolutely and how about you darnell what do you love the most about the food business
2: the food business brings new people around you all the time. You meet people on a level that you wouldn't believe, and through meeting all these people, you're able to just advance in life because so many different people that's coming in your restaurant can teach you and guide you in the directions that you never thought you would go. So I love, and then I just love the hospitality business. I love to be able to cater to people and just see them happy. You know, leave out the restaurant full, good spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how a restaurant runs. It runs like a family. It's just one big family coming in. Someone said to me one time, Who is your biggest star that came in? I said, You. Because mm-hmm. that's how I look at it. Whoever mm-hmm. comes in my restaurant, they are a star to me. And I love to treat them like a star.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's important when you want a, like a, a family feel, or just, I think that's important when you go to any business and you mm-hmm. want that person to come back. Like, yeah. they have to feel at home mm-hmm. in some kind of way. They have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. want to come back. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of, I noticed, tours not all of them, of course, but some of them, they're, like, do you think their customer service level has kind of gone down? Does, do you think, like, the pandemic had anything to do with that?
2: or Definitely, definitely. You know, and I'm going to speak in behalf of all restaurant owners. We're in a position right now, we can't do what we're accustomed to doing. Mm-hmm. Employment, you can't get employers uh, and people to work for you. Now, if you do get them, the prices is so high to get them to come in. The salaries are just enormous. A lot of people don't want to work. And when you just can't get the manpower, it, it, it weakens your, your ability to uh, perform and give your customers what they are, are, are used to having. So at this point, that's where we're having our biggest loss when it comes to not being able to be equipped to handle things like we want to. Another one is food. We just can't get food now. You know, if you know what we go through to get food in, and in the prices we're paying a lot of people just said, we got to get out the business. I've been blessed. I'm still able to stay in. You can't get, and it's the worst thing in the world to have to say, Jasmine, oh, I'm sorry, we out of this. Yeah, It hurts me to my heart because it's not that I'm that upset with the fact that I don't have it, but you come there for that. And when I can't give it to you, that's what hurts me. And um, these are the things that that's very difficult in this climate.
0: But you, what were some ways that you pivoted, you know, past the pandemic when everything opened back up?
2: Okay, I never closed. I I was very blessed, and I said that at the beginning. I do a lot of third-party deliveries, and actually when I find out from my third-party carriers, the DoorDash, the uh, Grubhubs, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of them, I'm about number five in the city on third-party deliveries, and I didn't know that. But my wife started this way before anything came about, and I didn't want to do it. She said, no, this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Most people look at that 30% you're giving up at 28%. But my mother taught me way back, to make money is a numbers game. Don't get caught up in your percentage. If you got 20% of something, you know how to turn it into 100% of something for you. Do it. But don't get caught up in that other person's 80%. You work the heck out of that 20% you have. And that's how we look at it. So if we're getting 70 and they're getting 30, we work exceptionally hard to do whatever we do, to market everything, keep it right, keep the food when these drivers come in, to get out the door, and it's worked for us. So that's what kept us in the game. I had an opportunity to do some big business one time. I don't want to mention the name, but one of the big restaurant chains. And um, I didn't want to do it because they wanted to open up fast food restaurants. And I don't think, I didn't feel Waffles traveled well. Right. Well, guess what? When this pandemic hit, I found out Waffles traveled great because we didn't have anything to do but give it to them in a bag and go because we, we weren't able to do business any other way. Right. I didn't have one complaint. People would tell me, hey, Darnell, you put them in a toaster, put them in the oven, man, they taste great. (laughs) So I learned a lot. Now I look back and say I wish I would have went in business with this person because they knew what they were saying. But I I felt pancakes travel well because they dealt with a lot of pancakes. But I felt waffles didn't travel well. So um, that's one thing I I really uh, realized a great deal is how, you know, you can create more revenue streams. And we're really looking forward to opening up a lot of um, fast food operations now.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow, you guys got some great things going on. Yeah, like I feel honored to be (laughs) in you guys' presence for real. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, One of the last things I want to ask you both, uh, Nia first. What does being brilliantly black mean to
1: you? Um, really, Black is amazing. Like, period. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm all for that. And me, I've always just been for us and been, you know, standing up for us and yes. for women in general because so many women get tied into being light skinned or dark skinned, you know, mm-hmm. feel away about themselves and people body shame now and just so much. And all forms, shapes, sizes, all of that of Black are amazing. Like, Come that Milanin and all that is yes. amazing, period.
0: Love it. <laughs> Darnell, what does being brilliantly black mean to you?
2: Brilliantly black puts us at the forefront of everything. What's happening with other races? They don't know what we really are. So mm-hmm. to bring it out so elegantly, I, I commend you on that because Thank brilliantly you. black is what we are.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. And i knew. never heard knew... One say it like her. Yeah, that's beautiful the way she said it. Brilliantly black. Yeah. You gotta feel it. Yes. Yeah.
2: If people knew the amount of knowledge that's in these Streets. Mm-hmm. Some of the streets are areas that's not as fortunate as others. If they knew the brains that these young people had, they would faint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I work hard to give them the chance. You know, my publishing company is called Grandpa's Hand because I like mm-hmm. to take these young people in my hands and develop them because these are some brilliant young people out here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And our color, exceptionally. And, and I love really what you did.
1: hustlers. That's the thing yeah. about us, too. Like, we're real hustle. Like, mm-hmm. that's what you see out of us. Yeah,
0: when we want something, we go and get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Period, amen. We got
1: to nobody gonna get into us. Period Amen.
0: I like that Darnell. Period Amen.
1: Okay. <laughs> so okay, yes. Last thing before we
0: wrap up, where can uh, people find both of you guys if they want more information? Check out your music, check out the restaurant locations.
2: Yeah, let's start with you.
1: You guys can follow me everywhere on social media at i t s s underscore n i a k a y, and I'm on all streaming platforms under n i a k a y. Period. Amen.
2: And for <laughs> Chicago's home of chicken and waffles, it's simple: Chicago's Chicken and Waffles or Chicago's Chicken and Waffles dot w a f f l e, and you can get us anywhere. Any place.
0: Amazing. Thank you, Nia. Thank, you, Thank Janelle, you, for joining me today. I appreciate you guys.
2: It was really Thank a pleasure. So Thank
1: much. you. Thank yes. you. Thanks for listening to the Brilliantly Black Podcast, produced by Jasmine Bennett and Ryan Lee. Executive produced by Echo Robinson and Derek Brown. If you're a black business and would like to be featured, register your business or service now at rock955.com slash brilliant. The Brilliantly Black Podcast is a production of iHeartMedia Chicago. With Lucky
0: Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.